Hey, uh, just if you're new here, thank you for coming, first of all. Um, we're excited you're here. And we've, we've been going through a, um, a, a series just called Love Came Down. Um, we're actually looking at the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, where Jesus on a mountain in, in Israel, they don't have this super high mountains, so for them it, it's a mountain, more like a hill to us especially in the shadow of the San Gabriels and other things over here in the San Bernardino Mountains. Um, but he, he went up there specifically to preach and to teach the, um, all those around him, people from the Decapolis, the ten cities, and so very much so a hodgepodge and a, and a splattering of all types of people, uh, all races, Women, men, slaves, free, everyone. And he teaches them. Um, and, and as we've been going through this study, I, I just really, my heart in me has just been so affected by the fact that, that we have a God that cares so much. He sent his one and only son. We don't have to go up to meet him. He comes down first to meet us. And this is what we've been going through, that love came down. And, and, and very much so, in religion, we can get this all mixed up. And, and very much when we look at God or we look at all the things in this world, it, it, Christianity is pushed to something we need to do or, or, or we have to be like. And really all it is is just saying, here's the God that, that came down regardless of how good you are or bad you are. In spite of our own misgivings and problems, he came down to meet you and me. And maybe because of our struggles, and maybe because of those things that we have in our life, he came down. Um, I grew up in Glendora, California. It's where I went to high school. I went to uh, Goddard uh, Middle School. We moved there from Pasadena, uh, where I was at this really nice private school that I loved with like 150 kids, and I moved to Glendora and went to a junior high that had like 800 middle schoolers in Goddard. And so it was, it was really weird, because I went from being a big fish in a little pond to a really small fish in a really big pond. Some of you might have experienced that. And uh, I just remember, I didn't have a ton of friends. I was a class clown kind of guy, so I, I, would, I, I tried to make friends. And I, eventually, in high school, as I went to Glendora High School, I started making some friends, and I had some really great friends that I loved very much. And um, one of them was this, this character called Mark. And we would, we, by the way, we were what you call cool rollerbladers. And I just want to put that out there. Because I had friends that skateboarded, and they were like, cool, and then we'd show up on our rollerblades, and they'd be like, not cool. And we'd be like, no, let me show you. And we would do like really cool things on rollerblades. Like we would do, jump off like 13 steps and do 360s, and, and, and we would grind on stairs and grind on rails. So we were cool, okay? Like we were pretty <laughs> crazy. And my friend Mark was one of, those, one of those guys that was even crazier than most of us. He attempted to do flips on rollerblades. Yeah, you think you're... Okay, so that's what I mean, like crazy. These, these guys were cool. Um, so, but I just have to keep reminding myself that because whenever I see somebody on rollerblades in the pink fanny pack, I don't think cool, okay? So I apologize. But, um, you know, my friend Mark was just... We would go and we would, we would hang out and we would rollerblade. And Mark was a kidder. Mark was one of those guys that would just... He was always like teasing you, you know, just to some extent. And we would be rollerblading. And we're, you know, when we would rollerblade, we would go from Azusa to, to Claremont all in a day and back and forth. We, we, we'd rollerblade about 15 to 20 miles a day, just back and forth, back and forth, going crazy, hitting the streets, just doing crazy stuff. 
And so we'd get in the groove and we'd be, whoosh, whoosh, yeah, that's right, look how cool I am, right? Yeah, you're like, dude, it is cool, right? So anyway, we'd be doing our thing and, you know, you don't always, especially when you're following a bunch of, a bunch of guys, you, you, you don't always look where you're going. And so Mark had that uncanny knack of doing the hockey stop at the worst possible moment so that you would purposefully run into him. So he'd be in front and he'd be like, like that, and I'd be like, boom, and I'd hit him, you know what I mean? And he'd, as I was picking myself up, he'd be laughing at me, saying, ah, ha, 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 I got you. Um, and so Mark was just that kind of guy. Well, I remember we were in school at Glendora High School, and I was drinking like a soda or something. We would sit in the, we sat in the um, junior quad, and we were all sitting there with my buddies and I, and I was drinking this soda, and he did that thing that you do when you're a high school boy, when someone else is drinking a soda, you just tip the end of the can, so it dribbles all over you, you know what I'm saying? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about. So, you know, you, just, you did that, and a little bit got on my shirt, like a smidge, you could not even see it, but I got so angry. I got so angry, I was like, it's like, it's like I had had enough of Mark and his kidding. You know what I mean? It wasn't just that. It was like everything compounded on that. And it was like, and I was just exploding with anger to some extent. And he's sitting there laughing. And so I had a burger that I had bought from the line that was full because I like my burgers to have extra ketchup, extra mustard. Okay. And so I had a ton of it on there and I went, and I threw it at him. And I hit him right here on his thigh, inner thigh, on his white shorts. And he just was like, ha ha. He just kind of looked at me like, what? You can almost see a tear in his eye. <laughs> he was like, what? Like, I was just kidding. Like, he, he, it went from playful to suicidal in like five seconds, you know? And I think this story is common to us all because there's a point to where we get that I think we say something happens and, it's, and we just react because we're done. We're tired. We get to a point where it's not just about what they did or what that thing happened or, or what it is, but we'll just respond and it's, it's this escalation. Do, do you get what I mean? It's almost like we, we're just... And then we look back and we're like, why did I do that? I, I, I see this as such a common problem to humanity. Kids are this way. I love little children and little, little toddlers and stuff. But can I just say something that I think you all will find true if you just get past the cuteness? Kids are evil. I love children. But we really see how evil humanity is when we watch little kids play. You know what I mean? Especially the little ones that really don't know better, quote-unquote. But, but the first, one of the first words they learn is mine, right? Mine. You don't have to teach them that. They just inherently, I take, I want, it's mine, and no. And, and you see that, that, that scene, I think we've all seen this, where the two little kids are playing, and, and, and one has the truck, the big metal Tonka truck, and the other one doesn't, and the kid just kind of keeps looking over going, I want that, and goes over and grabs it and takes it away, and the other kid's like, ah, crying, because their truck is gone. But then they realize... Oh, you take my truck? I take it back. Then they get up, and what do they do? They walk over, they grab that truck, and they not only grab the truck, but then they take the truck and they smack the other kid in the head with it. You know what I'm saying? And that's, unfortunately, that's the, the, the truth of the world we live in. And if I were to bring it to an even more hardcore level, we see this on the road with road rage. Oh, you cut me off? I kill you. How did we get there? 
I, I remember riding my, my, my motorcycle and I was on the road and this guy was just mad for some reason and he was, he was coming by and he was trying to pass me and I'm going 65, I was going the speed limit and this was before we had kids and my wife said, get rid of the motorcycle and I hung my head and went, okay. So, you know, but I had this motorcycle and I was so excited and I was on the 210 and this guy's coming up me and he's literally inches from my back and I'm just like, he's trying to kill me. And he goes by and he's looking at me and I, I shout at him because you can do that when the window's down even on the freeway because you have no windows in a bike. And I said, just kill me. Do you want to kill me? Kill me. And I'm screaming this at him and he's just kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess I don't want to kill you. And it was almost like this recognition of how did I get to this point where I want to kill the guy next to me? And, and we get to that point where 20% of the population of Rwanda was decimated in three months. Because the Hootsies and the Tutsis didn't like each other. And so over a million people, a million people are hacked up. Escalation. Anger. Do, do you get where we go, unfortunately? This is the truth of what we live in. You see, unfortunately, we all get this. We have all gone off the deep end and said that phrase or word that we can't take back, slammed the door, which is now sealed shut, and walked that path for the last time, which is now overgrown and hard to find. This is why love came down. To meet us in the darkness and to meet us in our finiteness and our limitedness. To take back to the deep end, to open that door, to cut that trail out again, back to where there is a hope and a future. I love Isaiah 53. It says this, the prophet is speaking prophetically about the Messiah to come. And he says, yes, it was our weakness that he carried, that Jesus carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, our escalation, our anger, our overdoing it. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. This is the God we worship. This is the God that came down. So what I'd like to do right now is, if we could all stand up to read God's word, I want to get into Matthew chapter 5, the last part here, where Jesus is really making a good thing come. I mean, he's just bringing it home, because love... He not only comes down, but he comes to you and me for a reason. So let's pray and get into God's word. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the fact that you see us entirely. You don't look at us and just see the good parts. You look at us and you know who we truly are, even more than we know ourselves. Before I did that thing with Mark where I threw the nasty hamburger onto his lap, I didn't know I was capable of that, but you did. And you still sent your son. Lord, you know us through and through. You knit us together in our mother's womb. All of our failings are before you, and yet you still come to meet us. And so, Lord, I just pray right now that as we dig into your word, it would dig into us. It would move us. And it would cause us to go out. And that we would go and do likewise. As your son came down for us. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Follow along now here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. If you could st- uh, still remain standing, let's go ahead and read. We, we stand for the reading of God's Word just out of respect for God's Word. Um, if you don't hear anything else, please just hear God's Word. I think that's the most important. You have heard the law in verse 38. Jesus continues to say, You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury. An eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. Now, if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask. And don't turn away from those who want to borrow. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends his rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how different are you from everyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Okay, you may be seated. See, Jesus is doing the same thing that he's been doing for the last couple of verses. And if you've been with us, um, we've been talking about how Jesus is saying, you've heard it said. And and what he's doing is he's going back to the Old Testament law. And as a good rabbi, every rabbi did that. But they'd say, well, here's my little smidgen of truth through this. Here's my little interpretation. But Jesus kind of goes to that, back to the Old Testament law. And here he's quoting Leviticus chapter 24. but, but, But he says, disregard everything that those other people have said. Let me give you the true thing that God really meant. And that was completely different than any other rabbi at the time. No rabbi would do that. No rabbi would do that. Because they'd say, whose authority? In fact, they did this to Jesus all the time. Whose authority do you say this? And he'd say, my father. And they would pick up stones to throw it at him. Because Jesus admitted, I and the father are one. I know what I'm doing. And I know what God who I am wants to do in your life. And this is what he's doing here is he's come down to explain it to you and me. And in Leviticus chapter 24, it says this, anyone who injures another person must be dealt with according to the injury inflicted. A fracture for a fracture, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Whatever anyone does to injure another person must be paid back in kind. So again, The reason we had this was because it was like the Wild West back then. We had escalation. We had vengeance. Oh, you hurt me? I'm really going to hurt you. You see, you yell at me, I'll hit you. You slap me, I'll cut you. (laughs) You cut me, I'll shoot you. Do you get it? It's just the escalation. We see this all the time. And so the law was to keep the people of Israel on track and to show the heart, to reveal the heart of God. But what did people do with that? Instead, instead of hearing what God's ultimate intent was, they took it and they twisted it and they manipulated it and they perverted it. And that's what we have here. See, back then the law was given to those in charge of the people The magistrates and the judges, if you're taking notes, it's just for the magistrates and the judges of the day to keep violence and sin in check as much as possible. 
But what was happening was you had the Pharisees and the Sadducees who had taken that and said, they were telling the people of their day that all men need to be the judge, not just the magistrates. You see, when that law was given, it was for those select people so as to judge and make sure things were being judged accordingly. And then, in Jesus' time, they had twisted it and perverted it to say, hey, you want your ounce? You want your pound of flesh? Take it. If you've been wronged, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's not good. Basically, justifiable vengeance. Justifiable vengeance. This is why, by the way, the Jews were one of the worst people to conquer in the ancient Middle East. Because they were known for this. You hurt me, I'll kill you. Now, this is why I really want you to understand love came down to do something big here. You see, Jesus is in charge, so love must lead. What Jesus does is he brings it back to the heart of God. He brings it back to the point It's not about just vengeance. It's not about what's yours is yours and mine is mine. You take mine, I hurt you. He brings it back to what's ultimately important. Love. The greatest of all things. And love must lead. You see, we're not to be vindicators of our own vengeance or masters of our own destiny. If Jesus is in charge, it's up to Him to lead. It's up to Him to lead. I think I can say that one more time. It's up to Jesus to lead. If you're like me, that's not always the case. Because what we do is go, God, I know you're in charge, but I'm really mad right now, so step aside. I'm going to take care of this. (laughs) See, what Jesus is revealing here is that love came down so as to lead personally. Uh, Look at how he loved. Let's just, he goes on to say these random things that it's almost like, what do you mean, Jesus? Because. He does this for a reason. Let's just say, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, rapizzo, that's the actual Greek for that word. And and it doesn't just mean, like, I think of slap, and I think of those old, um, you know, times when the guys would pull out the gloves, and they would say, you have offended my honor, sir! And they'd slap each other with the the glove, and we shall duel with pistols, you know, whatever. And they would go out and do their thing, and it was so gentlemanlike. No, this word rapizzo is an interesting word. It literally means to smote, to strike down, to afflict with vengeance. And so we have the same word that's used for Jesus before he gets on the cross as the guards come to him and slap him. Rapizzo. And this isn't just a, this is a beat with fists, with a palm of your hand, just bam, as hard as possible. See, Jesus wants to lead us to a better way. See, when you're on the phone with that sibling, that you struggle with. Because every time you're on the phone, they have a tendency to lean it in the conversation towards that one conversation that says, you know, you really aren't raising your kids right. Really? You're going to do that to me again? Slap. Uh, when the, when the um, professor or teacher at school just really seems to single you out and take what you've written or take what you've said and just throw it back in your face and slap you and you look like the fool. When your spouse in the midst of the argument brings up that sore spot or that weakness that you have struggled with or failed with over and over and over again and they just have a tendency to at the right moment at the right time just wham! Slap! See, Jesus gets it. 
He knows the pain of the slap. I think the most troubling slap that Jesus ever got, the one that hurt the most, is when Judas betrayed him with a kiss. Now, he goes on to say, if you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, lambano. Lambano is an interesting word. It it literally means to seize forcefully, to lay hold of, taken. It's the same word that they used for Jesus when they took his clothes off of him. They seized his cloak. They seized whatever he had. They took it forcefully from him. And then they cast it amongst themselves with lots as they gambled over it. I guess I can say when that roommate or that sibling takes your food or things, they seized it. I remember when I was a kid and I would just go to my, I would take a shower in the morning getting ready to go to school. Here I am in junior high. Life's hard enough. Junior high, right? Do I need to say anymore? And I would open the, the drawer where my underwear is supposed to be. My unmentionables. And my brother had taken them all. <laughs> I'm like, seriously? I would get so mad. So mad. Anybody been there? Oh, taking my stuff. Like, who takes your underwear? He did it. He's apologized, by the way. Doesn't do that anymore. <laughs> we were both young. I used to get him back, though. I would take a shaver and leave my hair all in it. <laughs> anyway, you get what I'm saying. Taken. See, when the company you've been working for for so long, they just, they just let you go. Why? I don't actually know why, but they let me go. I gave all my years. I gave all my time. All my effort taken, seized. When the neighbor across the way has insulted your kids for the last time, your dignity and self-esteem have been taken. Jesus knows the indignity of being taken. And he goes on to say, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a while and carry it two more miles, angacharo, it's an interesting word. By the way, let's, if you look at this, when a soldier, back in the day, Jerusalem, Judea, Israel, the whole province was under Pax Romana, was under Roman rule, it was under the, the, the Romans who had come in and they were heavily garbed, they had their swords, they had their, uh, the people, they were, there's a huge troop presence there. And if you were just in the market, let's say you were with your kids and you're walking around, any soldier at any time could literally grab you and say, carry my stuff. And you had no choice. That was the law of the day. In fact, it was written up everywhere. If a soldier demands of you to carry his stuff, you take it. Jesus himself might have had to do this. We don't know. As he was on his way to do masonry, to do carpentry, maybe a Roman soldier had gone up to him and said, Son! Jew! Dog! Whatever! He could have said anything because you can't fight back. Carry my stuff. We got a journey. And if you said no, death. Same word, demands. You see, the the interesting thing is, when we see Jesus on the road to Golgotha, he can't even carry his cross. What do the guards do? They demand, they demand Simon, the Cyrene, to grab his cross and carry it for him. This is the same word. You see, when time just keeps demanding that you carry more and more and more, and you are overwhelmed 
to the point of exhaustion that you just can't take all the demands. You ever had when your family just doesn't care, but you just need to do, and you're angry because the demands don't stop? How about this one? When the government sends you that letter and says, we demand you pay, and you have no money, and all you do is pay, and pay, and pay. You get the demands? See, Jesus knows the pressure of the demands. That's why love came down. To lead. To suffer. To take up what you and I go through so that he gets it. In the book of Hebrews it says we have a perfect high priest. Not someone who came down and said, check it out, this is what God says, peace out, I'm, I'm done, I'm out of here. Don't touch me with your stank. That's not Jesus. Jesus grew up poor. He grew up in a manger. He was almost killed as a baby. He lived hard. He had calluses. He had tough things that happened to him every day. He knows neglect. He knows loneliness. He knows all those things. And forever he took the form of a servant. Forever he shall be in the form of a man. For you and for me. Humbled himself. So that we could get it. That he came down. See, Jesus laid his physical life down to those who slapped him. Jesus laid his possessions down to those who took from him. And Jesus laid his pride down for those who demanded of him. And now the question is simple. What will you do? Love that came down so that we could be led with Jesus I guess this is the next part. It, really simply, if love came to lead, then now we go and do likewise. Love came to lead, now we go and do likewise. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. And he says, love your, enemy, hate your, or love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. And in that way, you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. See, Jesus is quoting Leviticus chapter 19, where it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. But see, it was being taken to the point where it's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead and love your neighbor. That's, that, that, we need to do that. But you know, you know your enemy? Hate those people. Hate those people. See, it was being translated. It was being interpreted in such a way that was causing God to be made out to be a hater of people. See, love came down to lead so that we might follow and now go and do likewise. Which means we need to physically move towards if we're going to go and do likewise, Jesus says, follow me. Live as I lived. Do as I do. Be hearers of the word, but also be doers of the word. Um, the interesting thing is, people want to physically slap you. People want to slap you. I don't want to slap you. I love you. I think you guys are great. <laughs> but you're getting slapped on a daily basis, whether it's sometimes physical but maybe it's through your work. Maybe you're being taken. Maybe there's a demand. What will you do? I want to take you through two simple aspects that Jesus does here, but it's revolutionary because we need to see it from what he meant. And by the way, I just have to keep bringing it back to this. Jesus did it. He not only said it, he did it. And we need Christians who not only believe it, but do it. Please, let's be doers of this. We don't need to be ones that go out and judge. We don't need to be the ones that go out and condemn. We need to be the ones that hear and walk 
with the love that came down and be bringers and doers of that. Followers of this one that's continually going to love the others around us. And that's that first aspect, by the way, of going and doing likewise. is simply loving our enemies. This word is an interesting word. It's agapeo. It's the same word that's used in John 3.16. See, the temptation is to love our neighbor but hate our enemy. That's the temptation. But we need to move. This, is, this word is the present imperative, by the way. Um, when he says love your enemies, it's the present imperative. It, it means continually loving. It's not just, hey, I said that I loved them at one time or another. No, this is a present imperative, which means taking the initiative. And this this agapeo is an interesting word. It means to invite in, to welcome, to make a part of your heart. It's not just a feeling, it's an action. It's not just a noun, it's a verb. You see, when you're on the phone with your sibling... And they tell you once again how poorly you're raising your kids. (laughs) If you're like me, you're tempted to say, Oh yeah? (laughs) After they've slapped you. But if you're going to agapeo, agapeo, if you're going to do that, if you're going to love them, you need to respond. You need to step into that conversation as Jesus would, not as you feel like. And when the neighbor across the way is taking your dignity yet again and done what he's done or she's done, how will you invite them in and love them? Or when your family just doesn't seem to care that you can't, and they keep heaping those things on and their demands grow and grow and grow and your anger is rising and rising and rising, how will you respond? You see, this is the verb. This is the aspect of I actually have to do something. Love didn't come down just to say, pat my head and say, that's nice. When you die, you can come see me. See, love came down to take us by the hand and take us out and to guide us and be the light to the world, salt to the earth. Jesus never stopped inviting Judas into the conversation. That blows me away. If I knew I was going to be stabbed in the back by Jason, he's not going to do that, by the way. But if I knew he was going to stab me in the back like Judas stabbed stabbed Jesus in the back, or vice versa, don't you think we would both struggle with keeping that cat on board or keeping him coming in and keeping him... No, I would be like, that guy needs to go. I don't want him around me. He's going to hurt me. And that's what we do, don't we? But Jesus, no, not Jesus. He loves and invites and welcomes and allows him to kiss him on the cheek to the very end. To the very end. You see, when he was taken by the guards, his life was demanded of him. Peter stood up and if there was ever a time to attack, that was the time because my, my God and my Messiah is being taken. So he pulls out his sword and cuts the ear off of the guard. How dare you touch Jesus? And what does Jesus do? He says, no, no, I will not, I will not fall of that. He loved till it hurt. He healed the guard who grabbed him, slapped him, took from him and demanded of him. What will you do today to actively love those that God loves? Second aspect, last but, but, but definitely least. So we're almost done. 
Second aspect of going and doing likewise is simply praying for your enemies. And this seems really simple because this is, this is not the same kind of praying that's more like wishful, willful, hoping and destruction of your enemies, okay? Because that's what I have a tendency to do. When that guy cuts me off or whatever on the road, I have a tendency to go, man, is there a cop down the road that saw that? Maybe he can pull him over and give him a big fat ticket. Ha <laughs> ha, that's what I think about. You know what I mean? When someone hurts my feelings, I have actual revenge fantasies that play over in my mind. Maybe you're like me. <laughs> When people do bad things to me, I plot and hope for bad things to happen to them. I'm human. I'm sorry. It's just what I do. That's my natural bent. When people hurt me, I want them to get hurt. And maybe I'm passive aggressive about it. Maybe I don't say anything to them, but in my head there's stuff going on. You betcha. See, the praying for enemies is also present imperative. This means when you continue to think about it, when you continue to think about how wronged you were, you don't do this wishful thinking. You actually pray for those who persecute you. You actually lift them up. And and prayer is not just something where I go, okay, God, bless them, I'm going to walk away. No, this is something where God says, you know what? You might be the answer to the prayers you're asking of me because I want you to now go and love them. Enemies have a tendency to take up a lot of space in our minds. We can't stop thinking about that enemy that got the job promotion over us. We can't stop thinking about the guy down the street or the neighbor next door that we really don't like because he does these things to us and he just got that new car and you've always been wanting that car and you're just like, seriously, odd? He's got that car that I've always wanted? Ooh, hope he gets in a car accident. No, Lord, okay, that's not right. Jesus, just let him be keyed. Like a really big key mark along the side. If you want Jesus, I can help make that happen. Did you see how we do this? But see, as we pray for those who persecute us, God comes along and says, what will you do as you pray for this person? Because see, maybe the guy that got the promotion or the girl that got the promotion in front of you, you know, maybe what you do is you buy them a nice promotion gift and you say, God bless you. Great job. I'm praying for you that you do well. That's praying for those who persecute you. Or maybe that neighbor, you buy him the sweetest, nicest cover for that car and say, I'm hoping that that car stays nice for you for a long time because you deserve a nice car. And I'm praying for you. Do you see how difficult this is? Every single one of you has this choice and with those people that are slapping you, demanding and taking, what will you do? Because if you're going to let love lead and you're going to go do likewise, you've got things that God wants to do through you. Let's close our eyes. Let's bow our heads. This is why Jesus finishes it off. And let me just say this. He says, be in the old schools, be ye perfect, but you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. He's not saying, now be perfect. You can't be perfect, but what he's saying is, if you join in the love that came down, you can join in the, the, the will of God, which is perfection in your life, which you were created to be, created to do. In your job, will you allow God's perfect will to play out? In your home, will you allow God's perfect will to play out? In your school, in wherever you are, will you offer your bodies? Paul talks about this in the book of Romans chapter 12. Will you offer your bodies as living sacrifice to be in His perfect will? That's the truth. Are you going to allow God to lead 
and go and do likewise. Because I guarantee you that people will see this perfect God. They need to meet the love that came down. They're dying in the valley below to see the love that came down. May we be that. May we join hands with our Savior who's actively seeking those who are lost. Lord, we just look to you. We love you and we thank you. We don't deserve your love. We don't deserve your will, but you freely give it to us because you're good and you care. And so, Lord, I just pray today that that we as a church would be about connecting with you and connecting to others, about growing in this, this son that came to us, agapeo, was slapped, demanded of and taken from, and returned love. Lord, may we be followers of you as we serve you loving our enemies praying for those who persecute us and being ministers of reconciliation we thank you for the truth we thank you for the love that you brought may we just take your hand and go and do likewise in Jesus name Amen